You know what I do get a lot of is uh, what's that? I get a lot of like, especially young kids. They think I'm Spider Man. They think you're Spider Man. Yeah. Because you look like Tom Holland days. I guess the word, the name Peter, is enough for them to create an association. I don't know. It's weird. Oh, they think you're like actually Peter Parker. Hmm. Has that actually happened? It, it happens to me like every week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's. You know, it, could, it, could, it could be worse than that to get confused for someone. I guess. Boom! Welcome to another episode of Man vs. World. I am so excited to have you all here with me today. This is actually the second time that I'm doing this intro because I accidentally doxed Peter in the intro uh, last time. And I also wasn't recording, so it all worked out just fine. How are you doing, Pete? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you, Mark? I'm doing pretty wonderful. I am all on fire with the power of raw beef liver. Um, All right. Well, I mean, in that case, we better dive right into this before it wears off. Okay. <laughs> let's let's get at it. All right. So everybody knows that our, our buddy Elon is trying to make some acquisition here, uh, specifically Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe something else in the future, though. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. He's He's yeah. got a lot of money. He does but have a lot of money. I wanted to talk about this because with, uh, you know, the, the whole poison pill kind of setups and the the people coming in, the private equity firms coming in as competition. It's clear that there's some resistance around this. And so I wanted to get your thoughts and maybe by the time this episode releases, there'll be some breaking news about this. There'll be some developments, but at the time of this recording, it's still a little bit up in the air. So Mark, what do you think is going to happen and what do you think should happen? Well, first I think we got to talk about why it like matters a little bit because, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about this uh, throughout the episode, but like what you immerse yourself in uh, really has a huge impact on your life. Like your, the, the narratives that are active in your environment, unless you consciously and actively make movement to create a counter narrative, then you are now a part of them that they will control and influence you. This is why, advertising works. Basically what an ad is, is a narrative that's plopped into your awareness and with with the hope of influencing your behavior. And so people might say, oh, what's, why does Twitter matter? It's got a small user base and blah, blah, blah. Well, Twitter actually is arguably the most important social media company. And the reason for this is because that's where mm, a lot of news happens. That's where all the journalists are. That's where all the politicians are. Uh, you know, Donald Trump basically got elected as president because he was on Twitter, which is also the reason why he was kicked off of it, because he was able to create his own narrative. And that narrative was compelling enough to compelling to enough people that he was able to alter the course of, in many ways, the world. And so this is a pretty big deal because Elon, he is super all in on free speech. Um, to what extent? I don't exactly know. I don't have, he hasn't really talked about like what his moderation policies would be in detail, but he seems far more 
pro-free speech than most of the mainstream establishment. And so uh, there is a lot of freaking out going on around this, and there's probably going to be some counteroffers or some other kinds of, of things going on. But the way I see it is that without um, some sort of free speech initiative that's going to take, you know, get us safe into the next kind of period of uh, technology, like the whole Web3 sort of world, um, we're kind of screwed. Because if, if we go back to the place where the elites literally control all of our access to information, uh, I think we're, we're totally boned because the, the people in power have proven that they just, you know, they do, they do not have our best interest in mind in a super obvious way now. Like, I, you know, arguably it was always like this, but what we saw with the coronavirus and how all that was handled, I personally think that it's horrifying to let the people who basically run that run our access to information. Um, I think we will, we're, we're done for more or less. So we need to have some kind of free speech availability. And Elon's arguably the very best guy to do this because he owns his own network as well, his own hardware via Starlink. So even if you got like, you know, shut down by Verizon, which eventually, you know, people are, I saw a tweet, I wish I could remember who it was. They were talking about how eventually censorship is going to be mirrored across all platforms. Like, so it's like, if you get kicked off of Twitter, you'll be off Facebook, you'll be off Instagram, you'll not only be off them, but you'll also be off of email service providers. So you won't even be able to have your own mailing list. And you might even be IP banned by like, uh, you know, your whoever your internet carrier is. So at that point, they can literally just cut you off completely. Okay. And this is something that I'm personally quite worried about because, you know, I'm not lockstep with the mainstream narrative. In fact, I'm rather hostile to it. That's more or less what this podcast is about. Um, and so, like, for me, I got to think about what the heck am I going to do? I'm going to have to, like, uh, you know, really start focusing on partnerships. Uh, hopefully, as long as I have access to email, email should hopefully still work for me. Uh, I don't see that going away immediately, but within five, 10 years, for sure I can. I can see that going away. So it's like I'm going to have to start, like, physically mailing things to people, uh, which I've done before and I'm not against. But it would be so much easier if I just knew that there was a line of communication that I would not lose access to. And so to me, this is a massively important thing. And so I'm really hoping that Elon can pull this off um, or create an alternative. Uh, we'll see what happens, but that's that's where I'm at with it. You know, it's kind of interesting to know why, why like, personally, I don't care about Twitter. Like, you guys can ban all the people you want on Twitter. I don't care. Like, you can go suffer in your own self-deception or whatever. But <laughs> I figured out the reason why people care about it so much and why, especially the the elites, if you would have it, care so much about who has control over this, this platform and platforms similar to it. Because I came across this article. It's by a guy named, let me see, who's it by? I don't pay attention to who writes these. Oh, it's Ben Hunt. Uh, back in 2017, with regards to the Harvey Weinstein, 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 yeah, Weinstein incident. As you guys know, that pretty much kicked off the whole, uh, you know, Me Too movement. And the reason why I wanted to highlight this, because I think it, it is the reason why people want control over these networks. <clears throat> the article goes on to talk about Harvey Weinstein and how apparently it was no great secret that he was a serial 
serial rapist. Apparently, everyone in Hollywood was familiar with the stories, and it was ubiquitous. I can't speak, man. <laughs> ubiquitous private knowledge and pretty darn ubiquitous ubiquitous public knowledge. And they were even joking about it on 30 Rock. So everybody knew that he was doing what he was doing. But it took Rose McGowan with the power of Twitter to send a tweet out to make everybody aware. And then all of a sudden, this public knowledge became common knowledge. It was outspoken knowledge. Someone took a stand and raised their voice regarding something that everybody knew. And like that, on a dime, everybody turned against him. And that's kind of how it works. So if Twitter offers someone the ability to have an outspoken voice, that's very dangerous. It's very dangerous, yes. even for powerful elites in Hollywood or yes, elsewhere. Particularly how Twitter works with the retweet function. It's different from every other kind of uh, social media. It's gotten neutered a bit by the algor- the new algorithmic feed, but it used to be like Twitter was just a chronological feed. Like whoever you followed, their tweets would just show up in order. And so this retweet button would mean that you could take someone's tweet and then you post it to your own timeline and then all of your followers see it. And then it's like someone else sees it, they can retweet it and it goes to all of their followers. So it allows for this super viral sort of thing, which other platforms don't really allow for. Um, they can downgrade then you know, manipulate that stuff with the algorithm and Twitter, Twitter can, can now too, but it still holds some of that potential. So it's a, a pretty potent thing for um, – truth uh and also misinformation if it's just juicy enough but that's that's the way it is it's like we're kind of in this war between like would you rather have access to truth and potential misinformation or just access to the mainstream narrative and have no way to verify if any of it's true or not and it's like to me obviously i'd rather i'd rather i'd always rather take the wild west over um you know this this locked down authoritarianism and so like this this common knowledge thing we're seeing this again this is why uh libs of tiktok the the person who runs this twitter account that uh basically all they do is they take tiktoks from people who are super lefty or whatever and then they post them on their timeline and you know they're not doing anything else they're just showing content that someone already made publicly on their account. And the, the the issue with it is that it took this knowledge and made it common knowledge. Right. And they definitely don't want that to happen because <laughs> they don't want to be associated with these people who look absolutely absurd. Um, or maybe they do, but they don't want everyone else to know about that association yet because it makes them look pretty bad when you have people just spouting out the most insane nonsense, uh, especially stuff around like indoctrinating children and all that kind of crap. And so um, this kind of stuff's scary. It's uh, it's a big deal. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people, they just they kind of just want to, you know, stick their head in the sand and just focus on your grind and everything like that. And, you know, believe me, there's there's something to that. Like you can't control this stuff. But at the same time, at some point, people got to got to speak up. Right. And that's one of the things I keep trying to talk about on here is like if you believe that, you know, some truth that is not common knowledge that should be start speaking about it somewhere, at least in your your own family and friends, because if you're not speaking about it, then it's not going to spread and it's not going to have an impact. And it's like the question is, like, how many problems in this world would just disappear if people 
talked about it, if people who knew it was an issue actually spoke about it with seriousness. And so, you know, my friends, make sure you're speaking up. Yeah, absolutely. Alrighty, so the next thing I wanted to bring up today is I was listening to The Art of Manliness and he had this guy named Bo Miles on his channel. Now, Bo Miles, he's got a YouTube channel where he does crazy things like kayak around, you know, South Africa. One day he walked to work, it took him two days. He didn't bring a tent or a sleeping bag. He just started walking. And, you know, he has this quote and I love it. He says, we all have 168 hours in the week and I'd rather not spend them on a plane or in a car. Why not do as much as I possibly can from my doorstep? And, you know, this got me thinking, should adventure... Wait, so be- what kind of stuff was he doing? I mean, he, he would he would kayak... He kayaked, you know, around the tip of South Africa. Okay. He he walked to he walked to work. He did this marathon once where he, like, planted a tree every single lap of, like... So he planted like a bunch of trees on his, yeah. So he does all these crazy stuff. His YouTube channel is actually great. Um, I love it. I'm a, I'm a Wait, subscriber. So what now. is it? I don't understand. Like, how, do as much as I possibly can from my doorstep. It doesn't sound like he's at his doorstep. It sounds like he's like really like out in the world doing shit. Am I misunderstanding that? He was, yeah. I would assume that he w- did have to go somewhere. I'm assuming he didn't live in South Africa. I think he lives in Australia or somewhere like that. Um, but he does a lot of stuff from from his doorstep. He actually ran that marathon I'm talking about is literally his block at his house. Oh, yeah. Okay, got it, <laughs> got it, got it. Okay. So he does all this crazy stuff. His commute to work that took two days. You know, it's just a normal mundane thing. But he took this normal mundane thing and he made an adventure out of it, which is so cool. Mm. It's unique, and I think that's why he's really blowing up. But this raises the question: Should adventure be on the minds? of men looking to go all in on their mission in life. Cause it seems like they may be maybe contradictory. Maybe you're, you're mm. spreading your focus out, but adventure is inherently, you know, I think it's a masculine thing. It's fun. There's a lot of benefits to it. So what kind of priority should that take? Right. So I might have, I don't know if I have the the best, well, let me see. I got two takes on this. Okay. Like two different angles that you can look at it. All right. So you have personal adventure okay and this is like you doing something that is just exciting to you and you know what i'm all for that like if you want to kayak around the tip of africa fantastic go at it you want to do a super long marathon you want to climb mount everest awesome that's cool um i think that kind of stuff can be massively um influential in unlocking who you really are finding out what you really want to do all that kind of stuff but um that stuff can become a distraction as well. Uh, it can become a way for you to avoid actually figuring out what you're going to do with your life. It could be a way that you figure out what you're going to do with your life, but it can also be a distraction. It's like, you know, the guy who is, um, what, what is it? Um, what was his name? Uh, Stephen Pressfield. He's got these books like Going Pro and uh, the, the War of Art. And he's all about like how to get artists to do their work. And in one of the things he talks about is this idea of a shadow career. It's this thing that you do that distracts you from doing your real work. And so these kinds of like personal adventures, I think, can become that. That's something that I've struggled with in my career. Like, you know, I'm going to be good at video games. I'm going to be a a top ranked competitive gamer. But then that was really just a way to distract myself from the challenge of doing my actual work. Or, uh, you know, I'm going to be a musician when 
when I knew I wasn't really going to take it seriously enough to be a musician, I knew it wasn't my calling to be a musician, like maybe a hobbyist and I'd like to do more music and stuff in the future, but it was just something that was distracting me from what I really wanted to be doing, what I really should be doing. Now, I think like if you're going to take adventure truly seriously, it's got to be actually unexplored territory. And the problem with traditional adventure of like, you know, hiking a a rainforest or getting in shape or, you know, doing a marathon or whatever, it's like these are all things that are very thoroughly explored. And unless you're at the very pinnacle of performance, like you're trying to break like world records and shit like that, then you're not really an adventurer anymore. You're someone who is kind of, you know, just following a trail that other people have already pioneered and walked down. And so to me, that's not really adventure. And the adventure of like our forefathers, you know, of like the the pioneers traveling across, you know, the United States to, to settle the West, like that's not around anymore. You can't just like, uh, you know, like go and discover a new continent anymore, right? If you want to actually do physical, like legit adventure, well, you got to join SpaceX and try and colonize Mars. Like that's, that's where we're at right now. But I think that there is still a tremendous amount of space to be explored in the intellectual realms and the spiritual realms, right? Like even in the the pharmacological realms, like I'm personally not a fan of like DMT and hallucinogens and that kind of stuff as like a gateway to like spiritual understanding, but that's still at least a frontier that's being studied. Um, Like to me, like I'm interested in figuring out how do we develop our systems for self-mastery to compete with our systems of control. That's something that I don't think has, like our self-development te- technology and socialization is down here where our you know advertising manipulation and vice technology is up here. And unless we can bring them up, then I think we're sunk. And so to me, bridging that gap, that's my unexplored frontier. And so a lot of it's just like me in coffee shops or in front of my computer trying to work this stuff out or working with guys around, you know, modern problems like, you know, quitting porn and that sort of thing. To me, that's, that's my frontier. That's my adventure. And I think for other people, like you got to find out, like if you're really hungry for this kind of thing, you got to find your space of unexplored territory and go adventuring in that, you know, maybe it's in science and it's in technology, maybe it's in, uh, you know, blockchain tech, blockchain stuff. Like there's a huge amount of stuff unexplored there, but this is what you want to be looking for is like finding some niche, some place of virgin territory that you can go and explore and make a name in because uh, there's always going to be infinite amounts of unknown out there. And just doing some kind of like cool activity that pushes yourself, yes, that can help wake you up. That can help you find yourself, but usually you're not going to you're not going to find the gold there anymore because it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to go explore this, this temple in the rainforest. It's like, sweet, you get there. And it's like, you know, it's, you got guides there. There's a little, there's all kinds of like things set up for you to, to make it safe and comfortable. It's like, I saw this one picture of like, yeah, there's a gift shop. I saw this one picture of people trying to like climb Mount Everest. And it was literally like a line of like several hundred people just in line to climb Mount Everest. And I was just like, doesn't that kind of, doesn't that ruin it for you guys? Um, It's just like Disney World. Um, So it's like, (laughs) and then like you go to that hidden temple in the jungle. Well, there's no, there's no gold left in it. It's already been taken out. People already extracted the resources from it. So it's like, if you want to find 
your gold. You want to find the 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 treasure. Well, you got to be in actually unexplored territory then. So that's my take on that. And I think for men, like you're not most guy. Not I don't want to say most guys. A certain subset of men will not be happy in life unless they're they're living that kind of adventure. So you got to be real honest with yourself. Are you that kind of guy? If you are, then you got to get exploring. You got to get scheming. You got to start thinking about where is your place to to explore. I tell you, doing these kinds of adventures like what Bo did, they do build a lot of confidence. But you have to be careful with it because. Like, I kind of did something similar to this one day. I, I just took off, and I started walking, and I went into a dry creek, and there's a bunch of, like, these this bamboo stuff. It's, like, really thick bamboo. It's not, like, big bamboo. It's, like, these weed stalks, but they just grow like weeds. And so I had my machete, and I was cutting through it, and I was, you know, I got about 10 miles out from where I live, and then I, I popped out, and I was, I didn't realize I was actually, I was in a, a college campus, and uh, in in California, it's it's not legal to carry a machete concealed, but it is legal to carry it out and about, just like hanging. <laughs> and so I thought I would do the reasonable thing of carrying it outside, like the law says you need to do. Well, the thing is, this was a private college campus. <laughs> You're coming out means- of like covered in mud, looking like a crazy person and carrying a machete. Yeah, I bet that didn't work out super well for you, did it? The security guards, they they have glocks on the belt. They're not like normal college because this is a private college. Uh-huh. They have real security. Shout out to Joe. Thank you for not shooting me. I appreciate that. But he kindly escorted me off of the premises so you do have to be careful when you're doing this guys just (laughs) just be mindful of the college campuses all right moving on so another podcast that i wanted to talk about today is uh, a podcast from danny mirando he had sahil bloom on his podcast and they brought up finding your darkest hour friends you know, meaning those people who they're not just there for the celebration. They're the type of friends who stick around with you during the hard times. Yada, yada, you get the idea. But while they were talking about this, it occurred to me, you know, it seems like a lot of men, I, I women don't seem to have this problem, but men seem to have this thing where they find what they love. They find what they're passionate about. They go all in, they're going hard. And in the process of doing that, whether it's self-development or their career or whatever it is that they're into at the, at the moment. Relationships kind of take a back seat. And as they age and as they grow older, they just kind of are alone with no real friends, no real connections. They have their wife. That's probably good enough if they have a wife. You know what I mean? And so what, what can be done to kind of avoid becoming this hustle hermit who... It doesn't have any real <laughs> meaningful relationships. Yeah, <clears throat> it's interesting. I think you know you you you're right in saying that this is more of an issue for guys because guys tend to be very linearly think very linearly, where it's like, all right, I want thing X, and in order to get thing X, I got to just do all this stuff, and um, you know maybe inherently, it's not 
totally necessary for them to be super social to acquire all of that, right? And so they just hunker down and they just get to work. Um, and then in that, they, they kind of lose their social connection. Well, I think for guys, like unless you're someone who is naturally already very social um, or you just want to be super disciplined about making sure you see other people and whatnot, you need to have a structure in place that by default brings you into social interaction. Because I think for guys, like that's just the way we're designed, right? Like we always like you think about like what like traditional like male roles, it's like, you know, whether it's, you know, warrior or um, maybe it's the uh, to, to be like um, like in. Well, I guess really it's a lot of it comes back to like warrior culture, like military, like, you know, doing like going on the hunt, like being hunters, like that kind of thing. It's, it would almost always happen in a tribal sort of setting where it's like you have to accomplish something. And in order to accomplish something, you have guys with you. Right. That's when guys, mm-hmm. I think, team up. And this is one of the things that I've kind of chafed against being in this masculinity sphere is because like creating a group for the specific purpose of like being men together like all these different like fraternity of tough guys and you know the uh you know the the new spartans and like all of these like kind of like edgelord masculine groups like i speak about them you know i said that kind of pejoratively i think they're great but there's something fundamentally immasculine about creating a group about being a man because i think what men create groups around is some end goal it's like mm-hmm. that's why men team up they team up because they want to get some shit done and then they enjoy all the camaraderie and everything like that that goes with it and they become fuller and they get brotherhood and that sort of thing um so like i think the best thing that you can do is that with whatever goal you are pursuing uh, it's to join some kind of group around it, okay? Like if you're like into powerlifting, don't just solo powerlift. Like join a powerlifting team, even if you don't even mm-hmm. want to compete. Like if, you, if you're like into martial arts, do a martial art. Like if you are uh, trying to do some kind of business thing, join a mastermind, start your own. Like this is why I actually have created or why I'm going to be launching here soon the Self Mastery Club. And it's because like it's for guys who are very interested in developing mastery over self-mastery so that they can get their habits on point, their, their mindset on point, uh, their, their sexuality on point. It's a community of men, yes, but it's not just about being – it's not just like, a, hey, we're a man together, ah, high five. It's like, no, it's like we're trying to get shit done. It's like uh, one of the things I've heard is like women, they do face-to-face interaction where they sit down and they just want to talk to each other about each other. Guys, we can obviously do that too, but usually what guys are most comfortable with and thrive in is side-by-side activity where it's like, you know, women will go to a coffee shop and stare at each other and talk. Men will like go out fishing or they'll like go biking or they'll go like, you know, get drinks and sit at a bar together like side-by-side. And so it's just like, I don't know, it's just like a different sort of dynamic where guys are like to do stuff together. And so um, what's more to this is that it makes you much better at it. It makes it an easier ride, gets you more inspiration, uh, keeps you on track. You have shared knowledge. Like you, you lose nothing by gaining by by entering into some kind of specific communities that support your goal, and you gain so so much. So I think that's really the key to making sure that you get you you don't turn into this hustle hermit like you talk about. Yeah, that's that's awesome. You know, you figure out where you're going, and you try to find other guys who are going to the same place. Exactly. 
and it's this is why this is why the vanguard's been so successful like my community is like you know so many guys they 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 love it you know they 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 interact with each other they 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 chat they you know like support each other and you know it's sometimes i'm sure like regular friendships and stuff have popped i know actually you know guys have become friends and personal friends and stuff uh, outside of the group from meeting in the group but you know, a lot of times we don't like guys don't necessarily need that. They don't necessarily need to have a buddy that they talk to all the time. Um, and like me, I've got a bunch of close friends uh, that I see, but I'm not necessarily like I don't need to talk to them every day. Uh, we kind of we have a discord together, which is, is pretty fun. And we do interact on that a lot. But it's like it's just not the a lot of guys just they don't need that. But they really start to feel it if they don't get anything like that at all, and it mm-hmm. accumulates in you. It just you just get this loneliness, you get this disconnect, you get this this I don't know. I don't. I think for so many guys, it's just not something that's super conscious, but it's just this emptiness that sort of floats in the background and provides and it just really sucks a lot of the the joy, uh, the potential joy out of life. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of the Discord, the image number seven on the discord suggested this next clip it's from ahana and they're didn't talking he, to, didn't he suggest the first one is, yeah, he did. is the image seven actually ahana do we know that or not oh <laughs> conspiracy <laughs> anyway let's check it out all right let's see when women find out that their dads are watching porn it seems like across the board these women almost like try to become porn stars themselves, like, and on a certain level, like, they, they kind of, it's, super like it's all about seeking daddy's approval. Yeah. It's like, you see oh what your God. dad is watching, and then you almost kind of get this <gasps> inadvertent sense of, like, okay, like, I want my dad's approval, so I should be like these women I didn't even watching. think of it like that, but that makes so much sense. I think that's what happens, honestly. And I, you know, I remember, like, hearing stories of women who talked about how they found out that their fathers were seeing prostitutes, or they found out that their fathers were watching porn, they found out that their fathers were cheating. And how deeply it impacted their ability to trust men. Because it's like, if your own father is acting like this, then what hope do you have for other men? You know, like, yes. like your father should be the one man in your life who you can look up to to exhibit strong character, strong virtue, like strong morality. And if your own dad is all messed up like that, that easily sets you up for very unhealthy relationships. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a big uh, sad one. Uh, because yeah. I think, I mean, obviously there's so many, so many dads out there who are using porn. Um, and even if they're not caught using porn, okay, like I know uh, a girl whose father, he would just, she would just watch him check out women constantly, mm-hmm. just like check them out. And that had a huge impact on her. Um, you know, she would see him like watch kind of like those trashy TV shows where it's like, you know, uh, just like, you know, the garbage TV shows that just have a bunch of like TNA in it. And uh, it really messed her up. It messed up her self-image in a, in a massive way. And if you actually caught your father using porn uh, as a woman, I can't see how that wouldn't have a super negative effect on you. Right. Like because basically what you're. The, the the father is then doing is probably two things, right? Like assuming he's not just an overt scumbag all the time, then at the very least it's showing that, hey, there is a dark side to me where I'm not the guy that you think I am, right? Um, so it's going to create a distrust there. But then further it's going to say like, well, what is that what men really want? Is that really what they like? Uh, is that what they're looking for? 
um, are all men like this sort of thing. And, uh, it's just, it's just really unfortunate because I think it even affects guys too, like in a big way. It's like for a guy to find, you know, he's like, oh yeah, I found my dad's uh, Playboy stash when I was, you know, X years old and that sort of thing. What is that saying? It's saying, well, this is the way men behave. And whether you're a boy or a girl growing up, that kind of indoctrination into this sort of uh, sexual culture is something that is uh, massively harmful because it, it sets this precedent that then you you build your entire worldview around. And if you follow in that worldview, well, then what you're signing up for is a world of pain. If you're a guy, you're, send, you're going to be signing up for, in this modern day and age at least, um, a porn addiction, right? Uh, and the porn of today is very different than it was in the past. It's like you could – I think for the average guy – he could only get so addicted to porno mags, you know, like hustlers and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, I don't think it was good. It wasn't helping them live their best life. But there is like a, an inbuilt sort of thing where it's like if you really wanted to take the addiction further, you always would have to like go out and buy more magazines or more videotapes or whatever. And that's awkward in and of itself. It has like a barrier there, a barrier to escalation. But Today, there's none of that. It's like in, it's like the whole world of insanity that is modern porn available in literally just a few keystrokes on your 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 computer. And so, um, you know, just because your dad sets this precedent, but it was a precedent set in a time where it it wasn't as dangerous. But today, it's just you know, it's like oh well, this is what guys do, and then all of a sudden you're hooked on like midget scat porn. <laughs> And it's just like that sort of craziness. Um, and then women, you know, they can just go like, oh, is this, is this how people are supposed to behave? And then, you know, they can be uh, on OnlyFans the next day. And I think things get like particularly, particularly sad, like if this progresses into the state. And I've, I've, I've worked with clients and I've seen, you know, this happen where it's like the dad is has like teenage daughters and he's more or less jerking off to girls that are like his daughter's age. And the daughter finds out about that. That gets really freaking weird and creepy. And so it's like, you know, we have to take some kind of stand in our morality as men and decide, like, what what do we really want our sexuality to be for? What is it for? Is it for purely just personal gratification or does it have to plug into a larger morality and system? Right. It's like you can't just have this little porn world where it's like, oh, I have these little morals over here. Then porn world or porn's okay, and I can jerk off to like unlimited teen and crap and all this kind of stuff. But then I'm going to be a good, loving father to my daughter and tell her, uh, you know, how to respect herself uh, and that sort of thing. And I think that sort of dichotomy is something that's fundamentally untenable as a man. So most men, they just they kind of just fail at it. They just, you know, they, they, they guide their daughters poorly because they don't even want to address the issue because they know they're being inauthentic. Or what's worse is if the man actually leans into it and he says, yeah, for, you know, he leans into the, the sexual relativism and supports the behavior. You know, like the, the father who encourages his daughter to be on OnlyFans and, you know, uh, is proud of her for the work that she does. It's like, I, I just think that more and more that's going to become the norm, and that's utterly horrifying to me.
Terrible stuff. All right. Well, sorry to end it on the that sorrowful note. I think you got some something uh, something else you wanted to discuss today, though, right, Mark? Yeah. Um, just like kind of going with what we're all talking about today. Um, all of this stuff around uh, like the the progression of vice in our culture, right? So we've got right now our technology for vice and distraction. It's all the way up here. It's super robust, right? Um, and because of that, I think a lot of guys, we are falling into this mediocre uh, path. You, you got kind of like the three archetypes of the consumer, the coomer, and the doomer. Okay, it's like we've got so many guys who are just like all they do is they just care about the next video game coming out, the next TV show, the next, uh, you know, new Beyond Meat product. And they're just <laughs> so excited for it. And then you got the guys who are just, you know, addicted to porn and, you know, all that kind of crap. And then you've got the doomers who just become so like black pilled and pessimistic about everything. They just want to unplug. And so what, what's happening there is that they're living in the mainstream narratives. Their, their entire like worldview is being shaped by their environment, which is something that that's what happens to us. A, you know, you, you consume enough of the mainstream narrative, then that becomes your narrative. You start thinking, yeah, maybe I really should keep up with the Kardashians because that's what everyone's telling me is important. That's what I keep seeing, right? And, you know, this kind of thing means that you are living – in the narratives that weren't designed by you, they were designed by usually people who are seeking profit um, with very, very little regard, if not maybe zero regard for your well-being. And that's usually the case. They just want to make money. So they're going to put the stuff out there that makes them money. Right. And they don't care what that does to your self-esteem. This is what we see with our modern social media apps. This is what the uh, the Social Dilemma documentary really exposed super well was, hey, these social media companies, they're just trying to hack your brain. And in fact, they've spent, I don't know, what do you think? Could, do you think a billion, billions of dollars is, is appropriate, you know, between the engineers and yes. scientists that they've spent money on trying to figure out the best ways to hack your brain? Like, they've gotten so good at learning how to inception you. That's pretty much what it what it is. It's like what marketing is, is being able to make an idea and a belief that they put from the outside into your brain and make you think that you naturally want it, right? It's like you, you, you're walking down the street, you see a McDonald's uh, billboard with a big juicy burger on it. All of a sudden you're like, yeah, you know what? I could go for a burger. It's like you think you had that idea. No, you didn't. You just got inceptioned. They just put that. They just put that narrative into your brain. And you know we're way beyond billboards at this point. We're basically everybody's got a a narrative neural link in their pocket that they're constantly downloading shit from everywhere all day long. And so like this is changing our world. And what we're going to be coming up to is this whole metaverse idea, right? Where everything. Like we're going to be starting to like the lines between real world and the virtual world are going to be blurred more and more. And right now it's kind of in this sort of like goofy sort of phase, like who's going to put on these stupid goggles and all that kind of thing. Um, but it's going to get there. It's going to get simple and accessible enough. And a lot of it's going to be awesome. Like imagine being able to go to concerts or sporting events from your living room just being able to put on a pair of glasses and like be there in high definition, like front row seats Dude, doing awesome stuff. We already It'll have be... that with, uh, what was it? A Fortnite. They freaking put yeah. on concerts within the video game 
Oh, wow. And they have, like, tons and tons of people show up. You know, these little kids or whatever. Whoever plays Fortnite. Sorry if you play Fortnite, but I'm just assuming here. But, yeah, that's that's already a thing. So, imagine what it's going to be like. Right. And the thing is, like, a lot of that's awesome. Like, I would love to be able to be doing this podcast right now to a live studio audience of, like, all the people who want to, like, listen live. And I could literally, like, step out and see you. And I could, like, talk to you and that sort of thing. Like, there's so much cool stuff with it. But if we do not increase our the technology for personal development, meaning our capacity to set and live according to our own narratives, then we're sunk because we will basically just become the more we, the more the technology progresses and the more our self-development stays the same, then the more basically we become controlled by these external in- interests. And so if you want to avoid that, and I think you do, because you basically what we're doing is we the metaverse is just code name for the matrix. That's all it is. It's like, you know, the movie, the matrix where it's like, oh, humanity is just trapped inside of, you know, this computer simulation and you're being harvested. Well, that's, that's exactly what we're, we're moving more and more toward. Mm-hmm. And so if we want to avoid that, you want to avoid just being this kind of flesh battery for the system, then you need to be able to develop yourself. And the key to doing this, the, the key to defeating the metaverse is, I believe, understanding the meta self. And what this means, it's the self of selves. It's like what, what we have to stop looking at ourselves as is kind of like this one individual unit. The reality is, is that we actually have disparate parts inside of us. We've got like our, what I call our primal self, which is our like emotive aspect, our emotions, you know, the, the, our instincts. But then we have our rational self, right? And we, we, we all know this, like, we, oh, my emotions say I should go eat the cookie, but my rational self says, oh, I should stick to the diet, right? Well, there's even like more pieces in there. And we have to learn how to get these parts working together under, under some kind of highest conception of goodness. It's like every person is their own society inside of them. And what we all need to learn how to do is learn how to interact with the different aspects inside of us because that's what's going to take us to the next level personally. And someone who can do that, that person can set their own narratives. This is something that I want to cover in, in really great detail in my Self Mastery Club content. But for now, you just got to start like having a conversation with yourself where it's like you have your rational self, talk to your emotional self. And if you can learn how to make that relationship work and there's certain mechanics to it, basically you got to show up as a leader and friend as a me- and a mentor. It's kind of like your emotional self's kind of like the the young rising hero, right? It's the the Rocky Balboa, it's the the Luke Skywalker, it's the the Harry Potter. It's the part of you that has the power to do things, but it's developing. It's still getting itself together. It falls on its face a lot. And what it needs is the master. It needs the guide, okay? That's the, the you know, that's Dumbledore to Harry Potter, it's uh, Gandalf to Frodo, it's uh, Mickey to Rocky. It's like that 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 part inside of you that knows the truth, that can be helpful, that is smart, that knows what you should be doing. It, that part needs to learn how to become a mentor to that emotional aspect. And it's this relationship, this internal relationship, that really is the key to unlocking your potential and allowing you to ultimately use all of this new technology for your good rather than just be consumed and uh, you know drained of your energy and resources for the good of some disinterested uh, monolithic power. <laughs> so... Just start thinking about this, guys, because if you don't develop yourself, you are going to become a slave to the system. 
because the system's just getting stronger and stronger. So if you don't get stronger, you're sunk. And so, you know, my friends, keep keep going, keep growing, keep thinking, keep dreaming, all right? Because there's there's a, a tremendous amount of opportunity out there for people who are willing to go on this adventure. This is this is that unexplored territory that is left in this world and all of us has the opportunity to really start digging into it. Well, guys, Share this podcast with a friend who thinks like you, who doesn't know about this podcast, and we'll see you next week. That's right, my friends. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you next week. I'm actually moving next week, so we'll oh, have yeah, to see true. if uh, uh, we might have to take a little little break on the podcast shortly. But we will get this back up and running ASAP, and uh, I appreciate all of you for listening. Ooh, yeah. See you all next one.